0: Hello, I'm Oliver Colling and this is my 70s TV childhood. Hello, and a warm welcome back to My 70s TV Childhood. We exist to remember what it was like to be a child in 1970s Britain, and particularly remember the huge part that television played in our childhoods. We don't apologise for being nostalgic for a time when we all got dressed up in orange and beige for special occasions, and for when we weren't allowed to use the telephone until after 6pm when the cheap rate started. How on earth did we, or rather our parents, put up with that? Clearly, whether you call at midday or midnight, the costs were the same. Or perhaps some retired telephone engineers out there might want to explain anything different to me. Now, for this episode, I'd like to start with what 1970s TV presenters would describe as a bulging postbag. I mean, a bulging inbox doesn't really sound the same, does it? So thanks to all who got in touch following our last episode, 5 Minute Marvels. I don't think we've ever had so many messages following an episode as we have done for this one. It seems that many of you have extremely happy memories of that 5 minute slot before the news in the afternoon TV schedules, and how that marked the end of children's TV and the start of the not so interesting programmes for adults. There are too many messages to pick them all up. But amongst others, Ian, Patrick and Josie were delighted to hear about their their love of Hector's house. Far too many of you to mention loved the magic roundabout. And several of our correspondents still seem to swear by the fact that Captain Pugwash was full of sexual innuendo. Look, all of you, it wasn't. I think there's a bit of false memory syndrome going on here. Despite the urban myth... John Ryan's characters did not have double entendres for names, so come on everyone, get over it and let's move on. I also have many of you, including Andre, Paul and Ian, who took me to task for omitting what they consider was one of the greatest shows ever seen in that five minute slot. Can you guess which one it was? <laughs> Rhubarb, or Rhubarb and Custard as it was popularly known, is one of those shows that remains as vividly remembered today as it was on its debut in 1974. I think it's fair to say there'd been nothing quite like it before. Director Bob Godfrey used a fairly blunt technique of drawing which looked like it had been done in felt-it markers, and where everything wobbled all the time, like, like a big jelly on a plate. The main characters in the show were Rhubarb, a big yellowy-green hyperactive dog, and Custard, a purple, rather stereotypically lazy cat. Although like many things on TV at that time, I didn't actually know they were green and purple, as as I watched in black and white. It was only years later that I realised that the whole of Rhubarb's world was drawn in vivid colours. But that didn't spoil the enjoyment, as every episode was quite mad with Rhubarb getting crazy ideas and roping in custard and the other animals, mainly rather characterful birds, to help him with his madcap schemes. All of this was narrated in breathless, enthusiastic style by Richard Bryars, who gave wonderful character to both of the main protagonists. One of the great features of the show was its slightly bizarre episode titles, such as When Rhubarb Was Being Bored, Then Not Being Bored, when Rhubarb was at the end of his tether, and so was Custard. And one of the ones that I remember Prairie Well was When Rhubarb Wasn't As Pleased As Punch, in which Rhubarb puts on a puppet show like Punch and Judy, which Custard and the birds don't find us all funny, much to Rhubarb's annoyance. Anyway, every episode led to five minutes of frantic activity, all capped off with a satisfactory ending and another snatch of the theme tune which I still can't hear without smiling, and I suspect it may be going round your heads for some time after listening. RUBOB came out of nowhere to be an instant smash hit, running for 30 episodes in 1974 and repeated for many years afterwards. Apparently it was revived in 2005 with a run on Channel 5, uh, whatever that is. I didn't see it, and you know, I don't think I want to. Like so many things, I'm sure the memories I have of the original is still the best. Boosted by the success of Rhubarb, its writer George Carverly and the animator Bob Godfrey came up with another show for the pre-news segment in 1976, again voiced by Richard Bryars. And this show made Rhubarb seem like a staid, sensible programme in comparison. A number of you have mentioned Noah and Nelly in your messages after the last episode and even now 40 odd years after watching it I still really don't know what it was about. It was Lucy based on Noah's Ark I suppose although their ship was called the Skylark. All aboard the Skylark! The Skylark carried lots of double-headed animals a bit like the one in Dr Doolittle um, of which one end was cheerful and the other miserable including Brian the Lions, uh, Rosie or, or Rose, I can't quite remember, the Elephants, and various others. And each episode involved the Skylock sailing somewhere, although sometimes it flew by balloon, uh, went on wheels, um, yes, all odd ways of transportation. And when they got to where they were going, they'd have a brief adventure, where the day would invariably be saved by Nellie, Noah's wife, knitting something. She was a very talented knitter because for some reason she could knit virtually anything, including some quite complex machines. Now, not for the first time. Those of you listening who don't remember the show will be thinking I'm making this up, but that is my recollection. A truly odd cartoon series, but one which I remember being intrigued to watch, even if it was quite bonkers. Perhaps this is another example of a show where illicit substances were involved in its creation. It was the 70s, after all, and whilst kids watching wouldn't have had any notion of drugs, some of the creators might well have. Perhaps that's why it hasn't been repeated on television since 1980. Which leads me on to Rick Jones, who has recently died aged 84. Rick, who I'm sure you will all remember from Play School and from Fingerbobs, told an interview with The Sun in 2012 that, that during his time with the BBC, marijuana was like cornflakes. Now, as regular listeners will know, I've long suspected that much of the output of the BBC's children's productions at this time were drug-influenced, and Jones's words seem to confirm this. Rick Jones was born in London, Ontario rather than England, in 1937, but moved to the UK to study at drama school before getting his big break in TV. Here's a house, here's a door, windows, one, two, three, four, ready to knock, turn the lock, play school. PlaySchool is an abiding early memory for many of us. It was on every day and featured young, lively presenters entertaining us with activities and songs, usually featuring the resident toys. Now, I have mentioned the toys from PlaySchool in a previous episode, but can you remember them? Big Ted and Little Ted were generally centre stage, together with Humpty, who was a sort of Humpty Dumpty doll, obviously, uh, as was Jemima. A rag doll with long legs. I remember all of them fondly, but the old fashioned doll, Hamble, used to give me the creeps, to be honest. If you've ever seen any of the Charles Play movies, I honestly think that Hamble was the inspiration for Chucky. In joining Play School as one of the original presenters, Rick Jones became nationally popular and a familiar face on British TV. As a child, I remember all sorts of people turning up in play school who had become well-known for other roles. Brian Kent was a regular, as well as the voice of Trumpton, Camelwick Green and Chigley. Johnny Ball popped up from time to time, as did the legendary Derek Griffiths, Fred Harris and Stuart McGugan, who played Gunnar McIntosh in It Ain't Half Hotman. Then there were others like Clary Ashtroft and Carol Chell, who appeared to spend most of their careers on the show. For a whole generation of us, the Play School hosts were watched, listened to, and remembered. So much so that when the actress Carol Leader turned up on the bill in the nineteen nineties, I couldn't take her seriously as a senior police officer, as she was forever associated with Play School and its sister show Playaway in my mind. Anyway, back to Rick Jones. He became famous on Play School until he was removed from the show after allegations from Johnny Ball that he and his co-presenter, Lionel Morton, were stoned out of their heads, I think the term was, whilst filming a nativity sequence. Whether that was true or not, Jones's general appearance and demeanour suggested that he was a bit of a hippie. If I'd known what a hippie was when I was five years old. However, Jones was about to take on the role which made him a giant in 1970s children's television. Finger bobs. <laughs> lifts a finger. And a mouse is there. Puts his hands together. And a seagull takes the air. Yoffie lifts a finger, and a scampy darts about. Yoffie bends another, and a tortoise head peeps out. These hands were made for making, and making they must do. Fingerbobs is the ultimate in 1970s children's cult classics. There are only ever 13 episodes made, but I'm pretty sure that those of you listening... If you'd seen the show, won't ever forget it. It was a pretty simple premise. Jones sat behind a desk and created a number of characters using his fingers. Chief of the gang was Finger Mouse, who had his own rather catchy theme tune. Finger Mouse, Finger Mouse The never stop to think a mouse The always on the brink a mouse Finger Mouse That's me. I am the mouse called Finger Mouse. The mouse with guts and verve. I get past cats so easily with my famous body swerve. Finger Mouse. Finger Mouse. I'm a sort of Wonder Mouse. A hit, a miss, a blunder mouse. Finger Mouse. That's me. He was joined by Flash, a tortoise. They called me Flash, and I don't dash. I move at my own pace. As long as I get there, why worry? What's the hurry? Do do do. That was a bit low, actually, wasn't it? Anyway, um, Flash was also joined by a seagull who I think was called Gulliver. Who came to life whenever Rick puts his two hands together to create wings? And flew around. And there was a Scampy, whose name I can't really remember if it actually had a name. Why a Scampy? I don't know. For me, Scampy was round, deep fried, and covered in breadcrumbs. Why they chose to make one a character? I really don't understand. Anyway, the various finger characters would have little adventures collecting material to be used in the final story segment of the show and they would tell the story with Rick or Yoffy as his character was known Um, and that was it really a fine British classic featuring a way out hippie and his finger puppets in a few simple adventures whatever the reasons behind it I loved it and I do remember the music being pretty good too in fact I think Yoffy might have played the guitar from time to time just to complete the hippie image but I may have dreamt that. The success of the show apparently didn't sit too well with Rick Jones, who grew to hate Finger Mouse over the filming of the series, and as the final episode was completed, he agreed with the cameraman to keep the cameras rolling as Rick sought his revenge. According to Jones' own account, I took the mouse and dumped him in my cold cup of coffee and drowned him. Well, that's no way to treat your more talented co-star, Rick. At the Fingerbobs and Play School, Rick considered that the mouse had condemned him to be typecast, so he spent the rest of his career focusing on his English country rock band, Meal Ticket, with whom he enjoyed some success. But in spite of that, I, and I'm sure most of you, will always remember him as Yoffy, lifting his fingers and creating Finger Mouse. So, Rick... Rest in peace. Am I alone in finding Hamble on Play School quite scary? And what are your memories of Rick Jones and the other Play School presenters? Let me know at www.my70stvchildhood.com Tweet at 70s TV Childhood leave a comment on our Facebook page at 70s TV Childhood or email me, oliver at my70sTVchildhood.com Well, that's almost it for this episode. But I'd like to end with a final message from Janet, one of our listeners. She'd listened to our Thunderbirds I'll Go episode and confessed that even in her 60s, she has a crush on Scott Tracy. Apparently her daughters laugh at her, and point out that Scott is a puppet and not real. Well, I say Janet, don't pay any attention to them, your silly daughters. Scott is a fine example of a heroic young man who'd be a great catch for anyone, in spite of being a puppet. Anyway, take care, stay safe, and look forward to seeing you again soon for more from My 70s TV Childhood.